0: Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Havener. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pyle trying to get it to In for the touchdown. What a great second comes the Oh no, here comes the ball. Oh here comes the ball.
1: So. Like so no Wolf Pack, what's going on? It's the Wolf of Rotor Street, Street Gerald.com. We breed and feed you fantasy wolves. Thrilled to welcome on the Athletics Bills reporter, Joe Biscalia, who's covered Buffalo since 2010. Previously, Joe was on the beat at WGER Sports Radio 550 and at WKBW. In Buffalo, and we are just so excited to pick his brain on one of the most explosive offenses here in all of football. Joe, how are you doing today, man?
0: I'm doing great, and it it wasn't always like that. Like It it used to be some years where Bills players don't even get drafted in fantasy, fantasy, but now it's much different.
1: (laughs) Exactly. It's it's one of the top highest power attacks, the third most points of the league last year. Could even take it to another level. We'll actually find out if you think they can, and we'll start with the man at the top right there with Josh Allen. The Bills were full of fantasy league winners last year, and none were more so than that guy right there, the quarterback. Number one QB in fantasy, despite falling off in around eight and even later in most drafts. He's a physical marvel, just inked a massive six-year, $258 million extension. Uh, so he's going to be there for a long time. Do you expect him to continue dominating like he did last year? Is there a chance we haven't even seen his highest ceiling yet? What are your thoughts on Allen coming up?
0: Well, I think they'll be once again a potent offense just because all of the all of the structure is still there. Like they still have Stephon Diggs, they still have Cole Beasley. They subbed out John Brown, who I thought kind of uh, dipped in his his overall production throughout his career. It seemed like he kind of like went over the hill a little bit, and they replaced him with him, Emmanuel Sanders, who, when you watch him on film from last year, still has a lot of game left. So that all works. The biggest piece of the puzzle is the offensive coordinator, Ryan Dable and having him back for a fourth straight year along with Josh Allen is just crucial to what they're trying to do on offense. Now, I will say I am expecting somewhat of a slight statistical regression just because I think this year is a year that they're not going to catch anyone off guard. I think a lot of people are going to look at that Chiefs uh, defensive game plan that they, that they threw at Josh Allen, and they're going to probably try to mimic it a little bit until the Bills prove that they can beat it because it was fairly effective. And yeah. you know, for all of the things that Josh Allen has been able to do and to sidestep throughout his career he has always had to prove that specific defenses uh, that he could beat them throughout time. Now he did that. I remember back in like either his first or second year, um, the Ravens threw a lot of cover zero at him and just completely ran the house at him and made it, made him panic. And until he showed he could beat that teams continue to do that. Now, obviously he's taken steps all over the place. So I think it's just a matter of teams are going to, to, really have an entire offseason to figure out, okay, what are we going to do to help thwart this guy and to thwart this offense to where they don't take off and and run away with the game. So I think he's going to see some, some new and different stuff that he's going to have to work through this year.
1: Yeah. Well, they set his line Las Vegas. I always like to look at this with the beat writers at 4,550 and a half yards and 34 and a half TDs and comparison sakes. He was right around there at 4,544 yards last year and 37 TDs. Where do you see him? It sounds like you might see him hitting the under at least on the yards. What what are your thoughts on that line?
0: Yeah, the yards I would probably uh, veer toward the under, but there's the extra game, so there, oh, there's that true. part of it. There's that part of it too. So I wonder if maybe they they kind of threw that regression into it. Um, but but yeah, I, I, I would think he's right on it if they go to 18 games and and then they go and then they go from there. So uh, the rest of it, I'll I'll leave that to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I always like checking those out uh, for sure. Well, the first bill that's going to be taken in fantasy drafts isn't going to be Allen, unless it's a two QB league at least. That's going to be Stefan Diggs. uh, He's main passing vein. He led the league this year with 166 targets, 127 receptions, and 1,535 receiving yards just his first season over there in Buffalo. Uh, What a monstrous first season that was. Should we expect more of the same with this massive target share in production in 2020?
0: Yeah, I think he'll be out there as long as he's healthy. He's going to be out there as much as he was last year. And, I, you know, I think it will also help him that Emmanuel Sanders is probably going to line up on the other side. And I think he's a little bit more of a, a viable threat than maybe um, John Brown when he was plagued by injuries last year or Gabriel Davis in his first year. So I think that will help him to a certain degree. There is, at least right now, he's got this lingering knee injury. He just missed his yeah. fifth straight practice today. Um, and we'll have to see when he gets back into it. I asked Sean McDermott yesterday, you know, if there was any concern that this could linger into the regular season, and he said basically uh, no. But he also hit it with a qualifier of at this point. So you know, it's it's worth monitoring um, just just to see what's what's going on. I don't think the Bills are sweating it right now, but uh, as long as he's healthy and ready to go, he should he should definitely be an A one alpha. Receiver in a in a prolific passing offense.
1: Yeah, I mean it was again 166 targets led the NFL. That was mm-hmm. a ton. That as you mentioned, it might help him to have Manny Sanders on the other side because you have a more qualified number two. Do you think that could eat into that workload, or do you think there, there's another case for him to see that type of just massive deluge of targets on him?
0: Yeah, I think I think that the targets should probably be there, maybe a little a little bit less just from percentage, but you know, be right around the one. 150 plus range um, with, with the additional game. Um, and then from there, you, you figure in Cole Beasley is another spot in this. And Beasley is someone that I'm in, interested to see what they do with him because from 2019 to 2020, they cut his uh, his snap percentage down by about 7%. And I wonder mm-hmm. if that's just him getting up there in age or maybe they have more receivers that they can kind of uh, be a viable offense with. But uh, but yeah, he's he's someone that Josh Allen is always looking for as well. And Sanders has stepped right in. I'll, I'll tell you, like uh, in training camp, when you know, he's also been dealing with a foot injury himself. But um, when he's been in on team drills, Allen has been looking his way quite a bit. Now, I don't know how that translates into the regular season. I think odds are they'll they'll keep Stefan Diggs happy and get him the ball, and because he is their right. by far their most dynamic offensive weapon outside of Josh Allen. And uh, and yeah, so I think whoever ends up drafting him, if you end up drafting him, you're gonna you're gonna be happy as long as he's healthy.
1: I think it's one of the highest floors. I'm with you, even if it's not quite those prolific numbers. As you said, the extra game could easily hit those. And these are the totals Vegas has for him: 106 and a half receptions, 1350 and a half yards, and eight TDs. He had 1535 yards and 127 receptions last year. What do you think of those over unders? Pretty fair. Do you think the over the under? What's your what's your leaning here?
0: It's it's tough to bet against him on the on the under on the, on the receptions, just because like we've been talking about a couple of times that the extra game um, it's, this is going to continue to be a really good passing offense. They are all in on, on a, being a passing offense this year. And, um, and uh, odds are, you know, they know what they are. They know where their bread is buttered. And I don't think they're going to veer too often from that. I mean, at least last year, and uh, Sean McDermott kept saying, we need to run the ball better. We need to run the ball better. But it, it didn't really matter if they ran the right. ball. They, they, were, they were just that good on offense with with passing the ball. And I would expect them to do a lot of the same this year.
1: Yeah, I think if I'm not mistaken, we're first in terms of first down pass rate, You know, neutral situation pass rate. And you mentioned that continuity with Brian uh, Dable there at, at offensive coordinator. Seems to be leading like a, a heavy offensive pass. So there should be some viable weapons behind him. You hinted at a few of them earlier. Do you get a sense that any of them are developing to like that clear go-to number two behind Stefan Diggs?
0: Not really. I think Beasley is always the one I kind of, I I kind of veer towards just because Allen looks for him constantly, especially against zone defense. Like Beasley just has this innate ability to understand where the defender is supposed to be and to use it against that player. Um, and so that's one of his strongest assets and in man coverage you know the way he sets up his routes right, right from the line of scrimmage is pretty fun to watch. And he's, yeah. you know, the Bills' nickel cornerback Taron Johnson said basically having Cole Beasley there is like a cheat code for him because he can learn uh, how to defend basically anybody in the NFL at that point. Wow. So I think with uh, with Beasley, he's always someone to look out for. But again, it's it comes to the the snap percentage for me about whether or not he's actually going to be this bona fide number two. Um, because if he's playing low 60s like he did last year, there's not a ton of opportunity unless Allen just targets him like crazy. Sanders is someone I think that could probably crack into like the 78 to 80, 85 percent snaps as long as he's healthy. Um, Gabriel Davis is someone who had I think a little over 60 percent of snaps last year because he stepped in for John Brown. So even if Davis goes up and Sanders, you know, 85 comes down to like 75 percent or so. I still think there's a lot of meat on the bone there for Sanders to be a, a viable like late-round guy for someone just to, wanting a piece of the Bills' offense if, if they didn't get one early on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think he falls uh, most drafts past those other names you mentioned there. And it, as it is, it is the new weapon there. Has he looked like him and, and Josh Allen have forged that rapport? Has it looked like he, that veteran status has helped him? Or what are your thoughts on Sanders so far in, in OTAs and now obviously training camp?
0: Yeah, they've definitely established uh, a bit. Like like I said before, Allen has been looking for him when, when Sanders has been on the field to try and build that chemistry with him. It was especially evident early on in camp um, when, he, you know, there was one play where Allen just threw threw a ball up. He saw something in the line of scrimmage, just threw it up to Sanders, who was in one-on-one coverage, and it was just a perfectly placed ball, and Sanders completely beat his defender. I think it was Levi Wallace on the play and wow. uh, came, came down with it. So it, there is that sort of link right there. And also, Sanders can still play. He's a good route runner, um, and he his route profile from this past year really meshes well with what Josh Allen likes to throw a lot of the slant patterns, a, a, a lot of the digs, a lot of the outs. He, he, he goes down the field, uh, quite a, a good portion of time and, or at least he did for the saints last year. I think it was around like 27, 28% of his routes were go routes. Uh, so that can supplant the John Brown void that, that they uh, left when, when they cut him this past off season. So, so yeah, I think there's, There's some opportunity for Sanders. I do think they they still like Gabriel Davis, and Davis has looked good this summer. But uh, Mm. I think they signed Sanders because they were after him a couple of different times. They tried to trade for him at the deadline a couple of years ago. They tried to sign him, and that didn't work. And finally, they got him to to sign after he um, was released by the Saints. So I think they want to incorporate him pretty heavily.
1: Can't wait to see how that fit is. I've always been a big Sanders fan, even if he's getting up there in age. I bet, I bet he has at least a couple left. Uh, you mentioned, though, another one that a lot of fantasy owners were very excited about till these the Sanders developments. That's Gabriel Davis. Uh, and I know you said there's a ton of meat on the bone in this offense for a, a bunch of healthy numbers. It's a matter of how many, can, how many mouths can this big aerial pie feed. You know, he was the most air yards other than Stefan Diggs on the team. He had 957 last year. And so a lot of people thought that means he's automatically going to inherit that John Brown role. You mentioned Sanders might be more so that fit so far. Uh, but this guy still played about 60-70% of the snaps, as you mentioned, too. So where do we find that balance? What do we what do you expect out of Gabriel Davis in his sophomore season?
0: I would expect him to maybe have a little bit of a, a bigger role when all receivers are healthy, but um, but be mostly that fourth receiver. I think that's how it's pretty well been established to this point um, th- through training camp. Uh, usually there's there's a lot of Sanders uh, mixing in with, with Josh Allen. Davis will do it occasionally. But, uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, I, I would expect my personal expectation is that he's going to be the fourth receiver. Um, you mentioned the air yards thing. I think a lot of that has to do with his route profile. And Gabriel Davis, I think, ran a go route over, I think, 31 or 32 percent of his routes oh, last yeah. year. So that that's a that's a huge percentage of what, what they're trying to do. I do like Gabriel Davis a lot when plays break down. Um, I think he's one of the better players on the team at relocating and um, angling himself to to really bring on a, a, bring on the the vision from Josh Allen and to get to a spot where he knows Allen would be conducive enough to throw. Um, so that part of his game works, especially because Allen plays out of structure quite a bit uh, when things break down in front of him. And not to mention the Bills' offensive line, like the interior right now, struggling a little bit. Think it could be a minor issue. Uh, and so, if he has to break out of the pocket, maybe that lends itself to uh, Davis getting some more work down the field. So, uh, but yeah, the, the percentages I think would be pretty similar to last year, as long as Sanders and Diggs are healthy, of course.
1: Very intriguing. So, now when it all comes push to shove, you gave us a good breakdown on all three of those weapons Beasley, Sanders, and Davis, the guys behind Diggs. If you're drafting, you're on the clock here as a fantasy owner. How would you rank those guys in terms of your order of picks?
0: Oh, the Bills players. All yeah,
1: well, we know we know Diggs, we know Allen. Those are going. But just those number two receivers, or whoever those guys are, the complimentary pieces: the Beasley's, the Sanders, the Davises. How would you order those guys in a draft? I
0: would probably, if if it were me, and I play fantasy too, so I get it. Um, yeah. if, if it were me, I'm probably staying away from Beasley just where his cost is right now, um, and then. Sanders, I think, is intriguing because I think there's upside from from where he's getting drafted. Uh right. Davis, I, I'm I'm more in dynasty camp for Davis than I am for for redraft, just right now. Unless something happens with the foot injury, if that lingers on with Sanders and then the knee injury for for Diggs. I mean, they run forward receiver sets so often, or at least comparatively to the rest of the league, that it could be worth it. But uh if if you're asking for like redraft, I would probably uh favor sanders over davis
1: well let's also go to that last maybe potential passing game weapon and dawson knox really has never been the most consistent guy but again this is such a prolific offense he's got that size 6'4", 254, can move with it you'd think there could be at least some touchdown upside or something with this guy we haven't seen it quite yet do you think he's worth the late round stab or is, this, is there any other competition? I might not be seeing at tight end. What are your thoughts on that position with this Bill's offense?
0: Yeah, I actually uh, wrote about this for uh, my practice observations today. It'll post in a couple hours here uh, over at the athletic and it, his main competition this summer has been Jake Hollister, mm-hmm. who was formerly with the Seahawks and yep. most notably to Josh Allen. He was a teammate of Josh Allen's at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Um, but Hollister went from being a somewhat intriguing spring player, kind of flashed some athleticism, even more so than maybe what Dawson Knox had, but an early back injury in in training camp, like uh, put him on the shelf for a good six days. And once he came back, the pads were on. Hollister really hasn't um, shown out at all. And to me, Knox, even though he's had a few hiccups this camp, I mean, the big thing with him is concentration drops. Um, he'll... Miss some easy ones, but he'll make ridiculous ones. And that's that's kind of like the thing that makes Bills fans want to pull their hair out from time yeah. to time. Um, but there is some potential there. And it doesn't seem like he will uh, he will be anything but the starting tight end at this point. It, it doesn't seem like Hollister is putting together a good enough camp to push him. So Knox is going to have every opportunity to prove to the Bills that he can be their long-term tight end. It's a big year. It's his third season. Uh, they know he has – really good uh, yards after the catch ability. They know he's improving as a blocker. If he can just get rid of those drops out of his game, become more consistent, then then there could be something there. But the thing is, Josh Allen kind of looks for his receivers above all else. And um, yeah. I don't know that the tight end is necessarily going to be a prolific one in this offense unless you have enough of a talent like, you know, a Kelsey, Waller, Kittle, something like yeah. that to where they, they become a go-to.
1: That makes complete sense. Yes. Well, why don't we turn our attention, even though it's not nearly as important, given how prolific the pass attack is, the rush attack just has not really been there. Even though they scored 30 points a game last year, they just never had a backfield option that felt steady, that felt viable from a week to week basis for fantasy owners last year. Uh, Now, do you think that's going to be the case here in 2020? Uh, Do you think there's a hope? I know early in the off season, you, you're writing a lot about Zach Moss, that he was consistently the best running back at camp, but the best availability, can, the best ability can sometimes be availability, as that old saying goes. And I know he's, again, dealing with nagging injuries. So how is this kind of playing out so far in camp?
0: Yeah, well, before the preseason game, Moss was the better of the two running backs, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then Moss injured his hamstring a couple of days before the, the preseason game against the Lions, couldn't play. And Singletary went in and on, I think, five or six carries, looked pretty good. Um, Singletary, this offseason, has completely reshaped his body. Uh, he has cut down a lot of the, the body fat percentage, uh, looks leaner. Um, I don't necessarily know if he's more explosive, but he's really focusing on trying to get north-south more than these east-west runs that he used to do a lot of in his in 2020. And that's been his major point of emphasis, and at least against the Lions – you know, take it for what it's the worth. It's the Lions. Um, he showed well in, in a few carries. Now, the good thing for Moss is that actually today he got back on the practice field, worked into some team drills, so it doesn't seem like that hamstring injury is going to linger. Um, but the Bills are holding out hope that he can play against the Bears. And I, I think he probably knows that he needs to because yeah. if he if he wants to maybe even take hold of this backfield – then he's going to need to show better than Devin Singletary. And he saw Singletary have a pretty good day. So I would still probably lean towards Moss being the guy who gets the majority of snaps, but I don't think it's going to be a large disparity. I think at most it would be 60, 40. Um, I do think there's, there's a world where potentially down the line Singletary, you know, maybe falls back into bad habits of going East West and trying to make guys miss and not maximizing his runs and to where maybe he becomes more more of an afterthought. Maybe even they they want to try Matt Breida because he's got this speed, unlike Singletary or or Moss, as more of like a a second chair kind of thing. But I do think that we're well away from anything like that, and I think the Bills are just going to ride the hot hand, frustrating as it is for fantasy football owners.
1: Yeah, and as you mentioned that name there, Breida, he did see 12 touches in the preseason, two receptions, didn't do much with it, 42 yards from scrimmage. Is there a world where this is like not only just a two-headed nightmare that is in a great viable attack anyways, but becomes a three-headed nightmare and they mix Breida in there a decent amount as well?
0: I, I don't think so, just because okay. they, they've usually only gone with a two-running back um, approach. And that's since McDermott and Bean have took over. Their game day actives usually have their third running back needing to be a uh, a legitimate special teams mm-hmm. uh, special teams asset. And that, the last couple of years, has been Taiwan Jones. Um, so I, I think for them, they they probably look at it like, okay, it's going to be one or the other of you know either Singletary or Breida or Moss or Breida. I I would end up thinking that Matt Breida winds up being basically what T.J. Yeldon was uh, the past couple of years for Buffalo, game day inactive unless somebody's injured, and if somebody is injured, then uh, then he'll go in and maybe not even be a fifty-fifty share. I think the other guy would probably be the the one, but. You never know. If Singletary reverts back to bad habits, this is his third season, too, just like we were talking about with Dawson Knox. If he re- reverts to bad habits, they might go, OK, we've seen all we need to see. Let's inject some speed into our offense, see what Matt Breida can bring to kind of uh, do a little uh, thunder and lightning approach like like the USC used to do with Lundell <laughs> White and uh, Reggie Bush.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice to see out of the Buffalo backfield after nothing uh, quite productive happened there last year. Well, Joe, this has been so, so helpful. I really, really appreciate you digging into these. We always like to wrap up with the, the beat writers with what we call the no huddle, just like 10 rapid fire uh, questions. You down to uh, run through that with me real quick?
0: Absolutely. I at me.
1: Awesome. awesome. I really appreciate it, Joe. We'll start with who's the team's leading rusher and how many yards is it?
0: We'll go with Zach Moss, and gosh, I don't even know how to project with an 18 game season anymore or 17 season. Uh, I'll go 770 yards.
1: What about the team's leading receiver in yardage?
0: Oh, that's easy, Stefan Diggs.
1: <laughs> and how many yards do you think he puts up?
0: Uh, I think I think he'll go third in the 13 somewhere.
1: What do you think the biggest offense, or who do you think the biggest offensive disappointment will be on this team?
0: Biggest offensive disappointment. Maybe, maybe I'll go the running backs as a whole, um, just because people are expecting one of them to come up. And so I'll, I'll say the running backs.
1: What about the biggest breakout or surprise player on the Bills?
0: I'm going to keep going with Emmanuel Sanders. I think he's he's the guy that is being uh, undersold here in fantasy world.
1: What's the Bills' biggest strength as a team?
0: <laughs> Josh Allen in the passing offense and <laughs> the running the ball at the end zone. Basically, it. it the life revolves around Josh Allen in Buffalo.
1: Absolutely. What do you consider the team's biggest weakness?
0: Their uh, interior offensive line right now. Um, and I think that could have fantasy ramifications for not only the run game, but also the passing game. If, uh, if you know, because one of their guards, John Feliciano dropped a bunch of weight. Don't know what he is as a pass blocker. Their other two options like mm-hmm. Bucker and Cody Ford. They're not great pass blockers. So I'll say that.
1: And what do you think their record is? Their division ranking. And then the conference at the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I think they'll, uh, they'll win the AFC East. Uh, you know, Miami is a little bit better, but uh, I don't really see New England or, or the Jets uh, really going after it this year. Um, I think they'll wind up being, I'll say, 12 and 5. Um, and I think they'll make it to the divisional round. You know, getting back to the AFC championship game two years in a row is so tough. Yeah. And getting, I mean, they have Super Bowl aspirations, but I think this will be a playoff team. I think they'll win a playoff game, and then we'll see if they uh, they get past that divisional round.
1: And that kind of segues perfect into our last question. The Bills will win the Super Bowl when dot, dot, dot.
0: When uh, they can beat the Chiefs, honestly. I mean, <laughs> that's been their the thorn in their side. The Chiefs have, have had their numbers. Um, you know, it almost feels like the Bills have kind of overthought it a little bit when they have faced them the last couple of times. And so if, if they can kind of push all that aside and, and fire up a, a good defense for Patrick Mahomes and, you know, be able to solve what the, the Chiefs defense did to them last year, that would be it. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's the biggest hurdle for them right
1: now. Awesome, Joe. Well, thank you so much again. And I know I always wrap up by asking the writers, do you play fantasy? I know you said you do. So <laughs> I always like to ask the writers too, like whether you have a dynasty question, just a general fantasy looming thing, Do you have anything on the mind at the moment. I'm always happy. You answered all my questions. I'm more than happy to answer any you have. Uh, Of course, you have my contact information, though, if you uh, have nothing on the top of the mind right now either.
0: Let's see. Let's see. Uh, What do you make of Mark Andrews this year? How about that?
1: I like him. I think he goes right around TJ Hawkinson's price range, and I think Hawkinson on the Lions, there's just nobody else to throw to. So I'll go with the targets there, go with, like, the 130 or so I think Hawkinson's going to see rather than Andrews at that same price point. But if it was, like, a keeper decision, you're like, oh, should I have him on my team still – Still a very viable option for sure. Still should be the main guy over there uh, with the Ravens, especially the injury to Bateman now. But yeah, I, I like him. I don't love him, love him, especially at his price when uh, Hawkinson could go right in the same range.
0: Yeah, here I'm a big dynasty guy, so I got you.
1: <laughs> awesome. Awesome, Joe. Well, thanks again so much for your time. Why don't you give our listeners one more reminder of where they can find you and anything you'd like to promote.
0: Sure. Uh, you can find all my uh, writing at uh, theathletic.com and Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Joe and I also do a podcast with uh, our other Bills writer at at The Athletic, Matthew Fairburn. It's called The Buffalo Beat. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts.
1: Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much. Best of luck in your fantasy leagues this year. Good luck to the Bills. uh, And have a great rest of your week. I really appreciate the time.
0: Thanks for having me, and and good luck to you as well.
1: We used to have it all. Now's our curtain call, so hold for the applause, oh, 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 and wave out to the crowd, and take our final bow, oh, it's our time to go, but at least we stole the show, at least we stole the show, at least we stole
0: the show, at least we stole the show, at least we stole the show. Second effort, third effort, touchdown! Oh! That's pretty awesome. That's old fashioned football right there, folks.